Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and I'm with Anthony Parker, GM of the Lakeland Magic. This is part of the DeVos Sport Business Management Program series, uh, focusing on the power of sport. And Anthony's got an extensive background. We'll dive in, you know, incredible stories, uh, experiences to uh, provide some insights and not only where he sits now, but where he's also been. And Anthony, um, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, your leadership and your position through uh, the racial unrest in, in this country and, and also the global pandemic, uh, which is still continuing on. And so uh, nonetheless, welcome to the podcast. Good to be with you, Jake. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And so just for background, uh, let's dive into your story a little bit, you know, from Illinois, you know, went to Bradley, um, part of the part of the Braves there, uh, basketball team, uh, was selected in the first round by the 76ers, played, uh, had your stint in the NBA. And then, you know, you, you went over and played overseas in Israel for five years. And I, I want to touch on that and start with that story because it's a fascinating part of your journey. And for someone to, to look at your NBA experience and look past that uh, would be wrong, right? So to understand kind of what you experienced over there and, and just maybe some of the lessons learned would be great to start out with. Well, from a basketball standpoint, um, you know, going over to Israel, my intent was to, you know, go over there for a year, play well and try to get back in the NBA. And, you know, I, I got drafted in the first round, but essentially my first three years in the NBA, I did not play, you know, very, very sparingly played, touched the court, mostly in street clothes. So, you know, I, I didn't know much about overseas or Europe or, or the opportunities. Um, and I was just fortunate enough that my first stop was Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is one of the top teams in Europe. And so after not playing for three years, getting overseas and, and being part of a, of a winning tradition, the fans are amazing over there. Like just picture, you know, what you think of at a soccer game, a European soccer game, and put it in a basketball stadium and that's the atmosphere. And so to be a part of that, uh, was amazing. It felt good to play again. And, and so I, you know, once I got over there, I was like, man, this, this is pretty nice. I might not, I might not want to rush back and, um, and in, ended up playing five years in, in Israel. I had a little stint in Rome in between there, but just really enjoyed it. And, and I, I didn't know going over that, you know, the perspective you gain and, and all of the, you know, all of the things you learn about yourself and about the world, um, you know, change, it changed me, it changed my perspective, and it changed uh, who I am. And, and, you know, one of the things that I tell my kids now is, you know, I want them to learn a language, I want them to learn an instrument, and I want them to live outside of the US uh, for, for some length of time. I just think that it's that important. Um, and especially Israel, um, just a very special place great culture, great food, the people. Um, it, it was just amazing, amazing time. And we had a lot of success on the basketball court, but you know, the relationships that I have with, with teammates, with coaches, that, that's something that still continues on today. I'm still going over there for weddings and, and keeping in touch with those people. And they're visiting me, I'm, I'm able to visit them. Uh, to have friends in Croatia and Lithuania and Spain and, and all over the world is, uh, is an amazing thing. It's Talk about the food. I mean, we got to hit on that real quick because uh, hummus. I mean, PD. What what is what was the go to food there? I mean, you spent you spent long enough there. Did you ever get sick of the hummus? Oh no. The the problem was coming back to the states and trying to find <laughs> something that was the same. Like you just can't find the same quality here. But you just develop all these little things. And I know when I first went over there, you have all these kind of 
snacks and, and go-to foods that you have here in the States that you just, a lot of it you can't get, well, no, I shouldn't say a lot of it. Some of it you can't get there. Uh, but then when I came back, I found myself doing the opposite. Like, you know, I, I, I'm Bamba. I don't know if you know Bamba is, but you know, Bamba. yeah, like that, I, I just couldn't find it everywhere here. Uh, so just, it, it, it was interesting to come back and settle in and, and kind of, um, you know, I had to adjust how I drive, you know, <laughs> overseas, it's a little more aggressive. So I had to adjust there. Uh, but just great food. I love the everything's fresh, uh, the Mediterranean kind of uh, dishes, um, the kebab, pita, hummus. Uh, what, what was my go-to? Schnitzel. Falafel, we, had we, we had some falafel. It, it was all there. We had, we had the restaurants and we went there, but you know, you, over there, you can get whatever you want. Um, and, and the food is all good. Like you can, you can go to the steakhouse, you can go to a sushi place, you can go to all those places, but you know, one of the best things is being, being invited over to, to friends' houses for, for Passover or, or any of the, the dinners and celebrations that they have and just, you know, eat, eat all the food. Well, y- Yom Kippur is coming up here soon. So that's that, that break fast for you. I'm sure you had a couple of those there that were, were fantastic. Um, you know, you, you came back over to the States and I do want to touch on one thing because you experienced a couple of things in Israel while you were playing there that almost everyone probably listening to this podcast experienced in the States. And I want to talk about how maybe that your perspectives were a little bit different. So let's just start with nine 11. I mean, it seems like forever ago, but that was something you experienced away from the U S what, what were some of the different perspectives you gained there? Well, you know, it, it's tough because I think, especially now, you know, everybody kind of has their news station that they listen to. And, and we have these echo chambers of, of kind of like, reporting the news that we want to hear and overseas, I think you can kind of get a different perspective, right or wrong. Um, and so, you know, I, I think in the initial phases, in fact, we were supposed to leave the next morning to go to a training camp in Italy. And, you know, at the time in Israel, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if Israel was going to retaliate. We didn't know if Iraq was going to start launching missiles into to Israel. We, we didn't know, you know, it was right in the Middle East. And so, I was able to get my wife and our dog on, on the flight the next morning to go to, to uh, Italy. But, you know, you just you, you hear all of the stories and, 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 you know, through the Israeli media, uh, through BBC, which is the news network over there, even, even uh, Al Jazeera has, has a channel over there and you can follow it through there. And it, I, I think it was, um, it was just an interesting time to be outside of the States and, and, and follow those news stories all the way through the Gulf War. Yeah, and, and ultimately, you know, we talk about the stories aspect of things. Um, sports, I'm sure, brought a lot of, you know, uh, perspectives to how do, you, you know, how do you come back over something like that when it happens, right? And we're going through a similar phase right now with the pandemic, the social unrest in the country, and, and many of other things that a lot of people are dealing with, right? Whether they've lost their job, you know, family members, et cetera. Um, being in a leadership position as you are, being the general manager of, of a G League team, what are some of the things that you've been faced with, had to make certain decisions, uh, and ultimately, you know, lessons learned through this, through this last six, you know, seven months uh, that maybe you didn't expect to, to ever deal with when you, when you signed up a couple years ago? Well, for me, you know, it's, it's been a blessing because I think the initial thing, you had a lot of people 
protesting and, and you had a lot of people kind of taking to the streets to show that, you know, hey, there needs to be a change here. There needs to be something done a little differently. And, and that's the way a lot of people felt like they could protest. Uh, everybody kind of has a certain platform and, and level of influence and whether it's your social media or going out and being part of a demonstration, I felt privileged enough that I, I had an affiliation with, with the G League and with an NBA organization that I thought that, you know, there's ways that we could, we could have a bigger impact other than just, you know, going out and walking. And so that, that was my focus is, is how can I be a part of the solution and, and how to go about it in the right way? And, and how do you uh, allow people that, you know, something like this may not have ever been on their radar. How do you allow them to kind of uh, see where you're coming from in a, in a way that, that doesn't put up the walls that, that we so often see when we turn on the news or we see all these talk shows and kind of people are just yelling at each other as opposed to trying to figure out where each other are coming from. And as a leader of an organization, how do you, how do you go about that process? I mean, it's the, the communication, the messaging, I mean, we all know today's world, one word can make the biggest difference, right? So how do you go about messaging that to not only your team, your coaches, your staff, employees, et cetera? Well, it's difficult. I, I think the thing that I, I understood uh, early on is, is, is being vulnerable and, 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 and coming from it from a place where, hey, look, I'm not above this either. You know, like this isn't, this isn't anybody pointing fingers or saying you're less than. It's, you know, I, I shared this story um, on our full staff call about my sister. Like I, I consider myself, you know, I, I'm all for women's equality and, and, you know, I think women can do anything that men can do, if not better. Uh, but there were a couple of things that my sister had to check me on, like, you know, think about this and these things that weren't even on my radar. And so it was just a way of identifying and saying, hey, look, just because these things aren't on your radar doesn't mean that you're less of, you know, you're not a good person or you're not trying to do the right things. It's having these uncomfortable conversations, allowing people the space to kind of, you know, state what they might not understand or agree with and, and, and making people feel like, hey, look, we can walk away from this conversation no matter which way it goes, being okay. You know, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to not completely understand uh, where, where each other are coming from as long as it, you know, as long as the motives are pure. And, and I think having those conversations with several people, several staff members has really uh, begun to bear fruit. You know, a lot of people have called back and said how it's impacted them. And honestly, some of the conversations that they've had with family members and friends as a result. So, you know, I think there's a way of doing this and, and as long as everybody's heart is pure and, and the motives are, are in the right places, then, you know, there, there's some, some ground that we could, we could cover. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, the impact of, of your sister and Candace and kind of what she's doing in the, you know, WNBA and, and the stance that the WNBA took as well. Um, look, you were a former player. She's still playing and, you know, there's probably a lot of similarities across the board in terms of your experiences and, being a professional athlete, having a platform, but is there something that she's taught you from a platform perspective and, and how to go about the platform? Uh, or is there anything that you just learned from watching her? Well, I, I think she's just, I'm, I'm so proud of her because <laughs> she's always going to be my little sister. Like she's always that, that little girl that, you know, I see that's eight years old with pigtails and stuff like that and Brett's and ribbons. And, you know, I always, you know, saw her la that way. And, I'm just so proud of, of the stance that she's taken, the voice that she's had, 
uh, the influence that she's had within the WNBA and beyond. And she's just so knowledgeable. Um, it, it's more of a, of a thing where I'm just proud of her. And, and I think one thing that she's always said that, you know, we talk about the social unrest and we, and a lot of it kind of comes to black and white, but, you know, we're talking about gender equality too. Like you, you can't say, Hey, look, we're all equal, we're all equal, black and white. And then, you know, have anything around you that says women aren't are less than in any way, shape or form. And so I think when we say equality, it's got to be across the board for everybody. It can't just be uh, for, for a certain group of people. Yeah. And, and, you know, some one of your fellow uh, GMs in the G League uh, just became the first female GM. Am I, am I correct? Yes. Yes. Tori Miller. Yes. With uh, College yeah. Park. Yeah, and so I mean, look, you, you know, the NBA, the G League as a whole is is certainly shown to be one of the the more, if not the most, progressive league, right? In terms of making change, um, and ultimately, you know, not to check a box, right? But but because people are the best people, um, and so as you're sitting there in, in the seat that you're in, you know, how are you not only um, having those conversations with your own people, but then also across the different you know, entities and kind of just learning from them and how they're going about it as well and picking up on maybe some best practices, quote unquote, you know, across the board. Yeah, I think there's a lot to learn. And, and you know, you obviously have relationships in other organizations and, and everybody's still kind of in the middle of, of trying to figure out what's the best way to go about this. Um, I think you do have, you always want to try to see, okay, is, is this checking the box or is there like some real you know desire to to create change because i am so proud to be a part of, of the nba and and how progressive the nba is and it feels like the nba is always doing the right things on a lot of on a number of issues right like it's just always out there in front and, and you see a lot of uh, other organizations and leagues kind of follow suit later on and, and so for that i'm proud however i think we still have a long way to go um if you look at head coaches in the NBA, if you look in, in the front offices of the NBA, there's still a long way to go, both uh, with, with women and with, um, you know, minorities. But I, I think the desire is there and, and, and there is a, th this, we've never seen a time like this. We've never seen a time like this where we've been able to have these conversations um, and, and we, we've, we've seen on a, on a large scale, a lot of companies and organizations kind of embrace that, hey, you know, we have a long way to go. We, we've, we've made some progress, but we're not there yet. And so, um, so that, that's really cool to, to kind of see, but I think we need to figure out how we're gonna harness this momentum and, and try to turn it into something that's, that's lasting and, and uh, the change that, that everybody wants to see. Yeah, I mean, as a leader, just trying to get everyone to be better each day, right? And, and move all forward in the same direction, I think is, is just part of it, right? And, and as you think about the pandemic and, and I don't think, look, I don't think anyone listening to this thought that we would be, you know, six, seven months into this and still dealing with the same thing we were dealing with back in March and April, but, you know, it's created this new different, whatever you want to call it, right? And ultimately you've got to help build that culture and continue the culture, continue the momentum of whatever you've built up before that. How have you gone about the culture aspect of the organization, you know, not only on the court, but also off the court? Yeah, I, I think number one, the most important thing that we do as an organization is hire the right people. And 
you know, in Lakeland and in Orlando, I think we've done a great job of, of, of bringing aboard the right people. When I say the right people, it's the people that believe that we believe, what, what we believe. Um, I, I follow Simon Sinek and, and I listen to a lot of his, you know, his books and podcasts and YouTube uh, videos. And, and I just think he has it right on. Um, you know, we, we want to be about um, relationships. We want to be about growing people. And, and I think when people feel like you have their best interests at heart and, and that your, your motives and intentions are pure, you know, it's not just a job. It's not just a job anymore. And so I think we've done that. We've, we've brought in people that believe that what we believe, that, that want to get better, that will uh, be unselfish and try to help others get better. I don't think that, you know, there's only one leader in the organization. I tell all of our, our group that you're all leaders. We can all have our influence at whatever our title. You know, I, I think your title gives you authority, but you know, your, your ability to lead is just, will people follow what you're saying? And, um, and I think in Lakeland, you know, we have a bunch of leaders that have bought in and it's just a fun group to be around. We, we have fun. <laughs> we have fun. We enjoy being around each other, but also, you know, we get, we get stuff done. And I think, um, you know, when players come in and, and they see us as a staff member, as staff, and how we interact with each other and we demand that, you know, I don't care who, who's on our staff or, or what their title is, you know, you're to, you're to treat everybody the same way as if you're talking to Jeff Weltman, who's the president of, of the Orlando Magic. So, and, and for the most part, they do that. And, I, you know, so I, I'm proud of that, proud of, uh, of what we've accomplished so far. And, you know, there's always, there's always room to grow. Can you hear that? Yeah, a little bit. Do you want to stop and? Anthony, you had some extensive experience, obviously, on the court uh, and, you know, learned from, from many guys you played with, many coaches you, you know, learned from. Um, what are some of the, the leadership lessons you're able to take from on the court into the front office? Because you, you don't have that traditional um, maybe front office path that some others do. Yeah, I think, you know, when you talk about the same reason why you want your kids to play youth sports, it's like all of the life lessons that you learn. It's being part of a team. It's, uh, it's working uh, alongside each other, all the things we already know. But I think the biggest thing is you see this a lot in basketball is you'll see a guy do something. He'll be like, my bad, my fault. You know, I, I think just admitting when you don't know something, admitting when something was wrong. And again, going back to the, to the idea of being vulnerable, especially in a leadership position, you're giving everybody else permission to say, Hey, you know what? I messed up, you know, and messing up isn't a bad thing. Messing up doesn't mean that you're less than, or, or you can't achieve. And I think it just, it gives everyone kind of like a, um, an area, a, a breath of fresh air, just relax and like, Hey, look, I mess up too. You're going to mess up. Let's figure this thing out together. And, and then it also gives people the, I guess it gives people the, um, the ability to, to, to suggest something that might be contrary to what the group think might, might have. And those are really where the breakthroughs are. When, when everybody feels empowered to like speak up, say what they really feel instead of kind of having this, uh, you know, go with the herd mentality of, of what I say or what whoever else says, and, and we're just going to agree with it. No, like we want guys to speak their mind. We want people that you know, say how they feel, especially when it comes down to evaluating players. It's so important to get a diversity of, of thought. And, and so, you know, it goes back to hiring the right people 
and 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 then you know empowering those people to to do the work and 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 speak up you know and and tell us how they really feel and so that goes to the environment and the culture and and so far you know I think everybody feels comfortable to, to do those things and they tell me I'm wrong daily. So they're, <laughs> we're doing something right. <laughs> hey, you know what? The, the, the best sign of a great leader is the one who will take the critical feedback and get better. Right. So uh, I, I think, you know, look, the, the stuff you just talked about, it, it, it exemplifies, you know, that no matter what role you have, right. Whether you're a player, coach, GM, you know, marketing, et cetera. Um, ultimately you're affected by the sport you're you're surrounded by it you you know eat breathe sleep it um, but at the end of the day there's there's a power of sport right and and I want to throughout kind of all these episodes I want to ask you what you think your definition of the power of sport is man the power of sport it's it's that's like talking about art or love like you know it's it's really hard to like uh keep it concise enough but you know, I, I will say this, I think going through what you go through with a teammate, with a coach, with a group of guys, you know, the, the bond that you form, it's, it's very similar to me in, in, as far as the military, you know, and I'm not saying it means the, the same and, and I'm not making that comparison, but all I'm saying is, is the bonds that you form. Uh, I, I had the privilege of being on a couple championship teams over in Israel and like, we we've we've been through it all and and i think the bond that we have formed through it all like 20 years later we're still going to each other's weddings we're still uh getting together for vacations we're still keeping in touch we're still visiting each other and i just think you through sport you can learn so much about yourself and so much about life and i always find myself going back to um basketball and and you know, with, with my kids now, uh, my first stint in the NBA, I failed. I failed. I was out of the league. I failed. But in doing so, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I, would, I tell everyone I wouldn't trade it for a max contract because the perspective and the experiences I had when I went over to Israel and Rome, the people I met, the relationships I formed, the places I was able to see. Um, and so it's really just taught me that. And, and, and then talking about my sister too, like, you know, it's well documented the number of injuries that she's had and what she's had to overcome uh, along the way. And would she have been an unbelievable player had she not gotten injured? I don't know, but I know for sure. And she'll tell you this, that there's no question it's made her a better person. And she wouldn't trade anything in the world uh, in terms of going through what she went through. And, and so what I've learned is, is you can win a championship, the year starts over. Uh, you can have a great year, there's always next year. But the most important thing is who you become in that journey. And that's the power of sport. And then, and then, you know, that's inspiring. I think people are changed by stories. And so sharing those stories, sharing that perspective, um, and, and also it, it, can, it can change, uh, speaking of the social justice part of it, I, I think, you know, there, there's, a, there's a huge thing in sports where people just hold up certain people and they, they idolize them and they have this, this influence. And so you can, you can use that influence and that, that, um, that platform that you have to, to inspire and, and, and to bring about good. I feel like there should just be a mic drop right there. <laughs> no, that was, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Um, you know, look, I, I think, uh, that deserves the mic drop and some rapid fire. So as, as we wrap up, uh, today's episode, 
Uh, you've obviously shared some incredible insights and um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, just your experiences, right? So uh, game of horse, you and your sister, who wins? That's not even close. I'm the better shooter. That's the one thing that I will say 100% I will beat her. She, will, she wouldn't admit it because she's stubborn and she's prideful, but um, I, I, she's by far the better player. It's not even close. Uh, but as far as just shooting, I, I think I could get her. So in a, in a one-on-one match, are you giving her any points? Or is she giving you any points? Or is it even? Well, so I, I, I said I'm once I, I played two years in a rec league, uh, two years after I retired. So like in 2014 was the last year I was like, I'm done playing. I'm too old to be in rehab hurting from some weekend warrior injury. So I have given up one on one, five on five. But if we had to play right now, I think she, she'd probably get me. She's in shape. She's sharp. I'm at that stage where, hey, my mind tells me to do this and I just can't do it. So <laughs> I, give, I give her the edge. So and, that's, and that's why we'll never play because I'm not going to let her beat me. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll, leave, you'll leave the, uh, the games of when you were younger uh, to, to reflect on instead. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, best city you ever played in uh, inside the country and then outside? <sighs> All right, so the inside the country, I played in Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Orlando. And I mean, I, I really feel this, but I have to say it too, is, is Orlando. Because <laughs> I work for the Magic now. But, but I, you know, obviously I lived there. That was kind of where we uh, raised our family for some time. And, and I really love Orlando. But, but every city, once you, once you live there for a couple of years and you kind of get your lay of the land, like, you know, I, one thing I've noticed, I loved Cleveland. I, I always thought I wouldn't like Cleveland living in, in the suburbs of Cleveland. Like I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, my family talks about it all the time, like how we just really enjoyed being in Cleveland, which I never thought I'd say. That's, that's the opposite of what Joe Kim Noah said a while ago. So Joe uh, never lived in Cleveland. Though. <laughs> if he lived in Cleveland, he would know. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I'd have to assume that Orlando is part of your favorite because you've got kids now. You probably take them to Disney and it's like the perfect, it's the perfect combination. Well, you know, I grew up uh, just outside of Chicago and, you know, the weather in Chicago and how, and I love Chicago. I think Chicago, Chicago is one of my favorite cities in the world in the spring and summer. Uh, but, you know, to come down here and like have palm trees and it's starting to get to the, you know, we're in September here, the end of September and the humidity is kind of wearing off. And it's just that beautiful time of the year where you don't get that rain every day and it's just gorgeous. Um, but, but to answer more of your question, so outside of the country, I, I want to go two parts because I really love both of these cities. Uh, Tel Aviv was unbelievable. I, I had no idea what to expect when I got over there. I remember <laughs> when we decided, my wife and I decided we were going to go over to Israel and play we didn't know what to expect. And I remember we went to um, Disney, we went to Epcot and they had a booth and one of the booths were, were, were two Israeli people. And we were asking them all these questions about Israel and got over there. And it was like, you know, similar to Miami in terms of the climate, uh, beautiful beaches, great food. Um, it, it was incredible. And so the times that I had there, the relationships I formed, I had, you know, I basically raised a family there. I had my my first child was conceived there. My second child was born in Israel. And so it's just a very special place to me. And then Toronto is one of the most diverse places I've ever been or heard of. And just unbelievable city, 
again, great food and, and the diversity. You can have any kind of food you want, like around the world, whatever kind of restaurant or whatever, you'll get it there. And I, I just, uh, I really enjoyed my time in Toronto as well. Toronto is definitely on my list, but you brought up food not only at the beginning of this episode and at the end. I love to eat. So I'm about to to ask, if you had to cook, what are you cooking? You know what's crazy? So everybody went into this uh, quarantine and, and, you know, everybody kind of picked up these habits or these, these things that they started doing. And our family, we sat down after like week three and we're like, okay, we got to get every day feels like Saturday or the same day. So we've got to get like some kind of schedule. And one of the things we did was everyone has a night that they have to cook. And you have to understand, like, I can put some stuff together and follow instructions, but I was not a cook. And right now, uh, I came across a couple good recipes, but my, my family tells me that my best one is this, um, what was it called? It's a uh, balsamic chicken with tomatoes. And I put that over a polenta and just whatever kind of vegetables you want to put on the side. And it is really good. Hey, if you, if you're using polenta, I mean, you're, you're already in the cooking game. You're good. <laughs> I mean, you can use white rice or, you know, sure. mashed potatoes. We were going with polenta cause it sounded better. Yeah. You're so, yeah. Sophisticated. Couscous, couscous. You can throw some couscous on there. Yeah. All right. Last, last one for you. If you could play professionally in any other sport, outside of basketball, what would it be? So I give you this long rant about team sports and how it's great and everything. I enjoy playing tennis. Like I knew you were going to say I'm that. Not, I'm not good at it, but I just enjoy it. Like uh, after I retired or whatever, my brother and I would get out and, and play tennis and it was like exercise and, and you know, it was less chance of injury because we're not going to come down anybody's foot or anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I took a couple lessons, but I, I just, I have no backhand. So I have to run around the ball every time. So I'm not good, but I enjoy it. And I will chase down six, six. You've got, a, you've got the wingspan for tennis. That's, that's what it is. I'll chase down everything. I don't know where it's going to go when I get there, but I'm going to chase it down. <laughs> All right. I lied. Last question then. If you're if you're a big fan of tennis, who's who's the uh, who's the goat in tennis? You know my goat. It begins with the F. Roger. That's the guy, man. Like, if, I thought you I, might say Serena. I mean, she she literally. Owned- oh, I mean, Serena. Serena, I think is the goat. Uh, who would I pattern myself after? I think I'm more of a Roger Federer personality temperament. Even though I know he was kind of a hot hit early on and then changed, but. He just glides all over the court and it just looks so effortless and easy and um, his longevity and everything about him. But, but yes, Serena overall, you know, she is, it's incredible what she's done. Like I remember in the late nineties, <laughs> her ascension in that, well, not late nineties, early two thousands. But anyway, her ascension and the fact that she's still like competing at a high level is incredible. Like the, the, the mindset of someone that you know, I always tell people it's so hard to get on top. It's so hard to arrive. It's so hard to get there. And it's even harder to stay there for all kinds of reasons. Like the hunger that you have to have to stay on top, the drive that you have to have is incredible. And for her to, you know, still be there, have children and still be uh, competing at a high level is incredible. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, certainly uh, an inspiration to all. Uh, Anthony, 
really appreciate you taking the time, spending some uh, some time with us on on the Power of Sports series with the DeVos Sports Management Program, uh, and really looking forward to potentially having you on again in the near future. I think we could do a whole nother, whole nother episode on mindset. I feel like you've got that in you. Oh, let's do it. I can't wait. I, I love chopping it up about any and everything, but especially mindset. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jake.